welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Service Monster Show. Today, we're going to touch on um, business owner integrity. What does that mean to you? Kind of dive into pushing forward, capturing the win at all costs versus taking the L and actually um, listening to what the world's trying to tell you. But before we do any of that, some housekeeping, Adam, what are we talking about today? Yeah, just really quick. We're going to go through some service monster news before we get into that main topic here. It won't take more than a couple of minutes. Um, we've had a couple of hot fixes come out on a desktop. I'm sure any of you um, who have watched the you know, previous podcast or pay attention to our release notes know that 654 uh, was released a few weeks ago. The big win there was bringing kind of the agent roles, the agent, agent limited and such to SM6. So if you guys have anyone working in the office or things of that nature, you can have them log into Service Monster 6 now rather than relying on the older kind of legacy software. Um, but yeah, those hot fixes, uh, kind of just some small bug fixes, some small kind of UI polish in a few areas, nothing too crazy, but mostly just kind of wanted to remind you guys that if you're not aware, um, the what's new section um, will show you kind of those recent release notes. You can always click on that. Um, the hot fixes for each major release are, are also notated in that. Um, if you want to just go to our help website, also on the home page there, there are release notes. So you can always kind of be up to date on what's been going on, what's new, what's been fixed, and so forth. And that goes for mobile as well. Um, very recently, we started adding the mobile release notes onto the website, mainly because the app stores only allow something like 500 characters. Um, does that sound right, Joe? It's, it's not very many characters. And so Ethan and, and Brian beforehand would have to do really kind of shorthand notes just to give you guys, because some of the builds get pretty large, right? And so we're going to start having full release notes on the mobile side as well. Um, and you can get there from the same place, right? So um, just kind of wanted to draw attention to that. We do have a new mobile release coming out. It's likely going to release next week. Um, we're just waiting on one or two more items just to pass QA to kind of take a little bit of, there's a time delay. We have to kind of wait to make sure they're working properly, um, but otherwise they're ready to go. The biggest new thing, um, if you're a current service monster user, isn't going to be the biggest win for you. It's mostly, it's updating the a new user experience. So whether you're a trial user or you're a new employee, um, we had some employees who were accidentally signing up for their own accounts. Um, so we made it much more obvious to the employee if they are trying to create a new account that, hey, you're actually just need to log in, you need to talk to your administrator and so forth. But if you're someone who's interested in checking out Service Monster, it's much easier to do that originally from the mobile app. Um, whereas before, we kind of went desktop first and then you know tried to encourage them to download the mobile app. Um, now it's super easy to go through that process as well if you start on mobile first. So... That's kind of what's been going on um, on the product side. Uh, Michael, do you want to kind of take over for the symposium talk? Yeah. So um, as most of you are probably aware at this point, we have decided to cancel the Service Monster Cleaning Symposium. Um, we sent out, if you are, if you did buy a ticket, um, you should have received an email from me regarding that. That includes a letter from Joe, um, just to clarify, we're refunding everything, of course. So you should be seeing that. Um, I think I said five to seven business days for the refund to process. So that would be uh, around early next week. Those should be all processed. Um, so yeah, uh, Joe, do you want to kind of touch on our reasoning behind that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of the topic of the show too. Um, 
we thought we were going to be able to put together a pretty amazing digital virtual experience. We had seen other vendors try and fail um, event planners and so forth. And where, from my point of view, where they failed was this lack of social interaction that everybody so starved for. And so the team got together and decided that, you know, this is something we're really good at. We know tech really well. We've got a lot of connections. Um, we've you know taken years to build up the respect based off continuous value that we pump out. We should be able to pull this off. And we got pretty excited off the cuff that a couple uh, 20 some speakers decided in less than two days that they thought they would join us, that this would be a good cause. And they bought into that too. And so did a, a quite a few vendors. But it was obvious to us, try as we might to communicate and advertise, that the industry wasn't having it. For whatever reason, they weren't interested at scale. And we were at 10% of our target ticket sales come this last Tuesday, the uh, day after Cyber Monday. <clears throat> and so I think 90% of the business owners and especially event planners <clears throat> would have just pushed through. You know, um, there was definitely profit already in our pocket. Not that we cared about that. That was going to go to next year's show. And half of that was going to get donated anyway. Um, and of course, we took a loss. You know, we we lost a not significant, but a decent amount of change for a business of our size. Um, and they, I think most people would have just pushed through, not just for the money, but also to save face out of fear of the speakers and vendors and the people who did sign up, that they would be disappointed in that decision. Now, being virtual, it was certainly a lot easier. People hadn't bought tickets. Um, there was no hotel rooms planned. But speakers and vendors had already started putting intellectual capital into this event. And I felt like over the next couple of weeks, you know, because uh, here we are, on the fourth. So this, we made this decision on the first actually. So the 10 days before the event, uh, we knew that's when, you know, we were really going to ramp up our efforts and that all the other people were really going to start to ramp up their efforts as well in preparation for the show. And we decided to take the loss because it would not be a show that would represent the service monster brand, something that we have really protected over uh, these 17 years to put a good name behind. And so we said, sorry, we screwed up. We couldn't get the people to come. And uh, that's our bad. We we felt like we could do that. Now, we were in committee, right, whether or not we cancel or not on Tuesday. And the idea was the balance sheet of going through the event versus canceling the event that the balance sheet would be much better in terms of political capital that we have favor with these speakers and vendors. Um, you know, the, the loss of, or the disappointment from the individuals who wanted to go, that that would still be better on the balance sheet than forcing this event through. And so we decided to cancel it. As it turned out, we were wrong. It's actually the balance sheet is in our favor, even if we have never done the event at all. I, I wouldn't say use that as a way to gain street cred, 
go and fail. But because um, I think because of our integrity and because of our consistency and because of our open intention and being intentional and transparent, I think that goes a long way for when you do stumble and that when you can, you know, take a punch and then say, we messed up. People really can respect that as long as it's not an everyday occurrence. Um, and so that's what we found the speakers and the vendors and even the people, uh, some of the people who had bought tickets communicated back to us and said, Hey, yeah, this was really going to be cool. I'm sorry. The industry didn't buy into it. So they even shifted the blame from where we were trying to put it to, you know, maybe people's digital fatigue, the fact that they had been to a handful of shows and they were really crappy and non-social. And so why would service monsters be any different regardless of how we tried to communicate that? Um, so I get it. So I get it. Uh, and I think that was pretty great. That response was amazing. So definitely appreciated. It's almost kind of like no harm, no foul at this point. And we were sad that the event uh, went, but for the 55 people who decided to buy tickets, I apologize, um, but it would have been a crappy event for you. The speakers would have been half into it because there hardly anybody there. The social interaction would have been the same as some of the other events that we went to where everybody kind of congregated in one booth. Um, and um, we had already, already people pulling out of some of the other sections that we had lined up. And so kind of the writing was on the wall for us. that This was not going to be something that you would have felt good spending three days um, on your computer at. So that's where we landed. We listened to the community uh, by way of their lack of interest and decided to kill the event. Again, without plane tickets and hotels and the massive amount of work was still yet to come by the vast majority of the people who were putting the event together. Um, but it was at that point where people were starting to talk about it, like for real, like it was, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to approach this? What's my speech going to be about? How do I need to hook the audience? Like all that stuff. So now there's still things happening, um, maybe in part because of the symposium. I know that Eric's and Larry, um, blue, what's their blue collar podcast? Um, they are putting so. on. Yeah, something like that. They are putting on um, the panel that they had scheduled with a powerhouse team. Bruce Delouche, Bill Yeadon, um, Larry, uh, Eric. Can't remember who else is on there. But Dan Udy. Yeah, you think you're right. Yeah, I so think like that's all, who it is, yeah. all of those people of that caliber, right? Um, they're putting together a panel and they're going to they're going to chat about. Uh, I think can't remember, what was their topic that they were focused on? Um, so, it was like. Business. It was. It was like uh, in working inside your business. Like, uh, let me look. I can find it. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, and I he's going to go on with that. I think it's going to be a virtual thing. Yeah. That and and I don't know what the date is. So, go find Eric and his team and take a look at that. We'll be sharing that on our page as well. But I'll just do that. that I'll, I'll find it. Yeah. That's the long version mm -hmm. of uh, you know that we had that meeting in that conference. Uh, with that team, I don't know, maybe went 45 minutes or so and we kicked it around and it was, it was pretty apparent. It was the right, right way to go. Yeah. So, and then m much more apparent after we started getting the responses and emails and feedback and stuff. So yeah. there you go, you know, but I, it's like, um, 
I got a handful of messages, so I don't remember who this was with one of the people who was kind enough to be a part of it. And they were like, yeah, you know, sorry. And I'm like, I would rather go six for 10 than three for three. And uh, sometimes service monster reaches a little bit. We certainly did that with the in-person symposium two years ago. That was freaking a massive success as far as I'm concerned by every front. Um, we And we do that with certain projects within the company as well. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with taking those losses if we can continue to maintain that 600 batting average. Come on. You go three for 10 in baseball and you're a god. <laughs> So that that's, you know, maybe that's my baseball bias showing, but uh, I, you know, I definitely believe in, in fast iterative cycles and then you chase down what works and ditch what doesn't. Yeah. And I, I think to kind of the point that you made before about the uh, digital uh, fatigue, it definitely seems real in multiple industries. It's not just the cleaning and service industries. I, um, I have friends in other industries and they're going through the same thing because everything's yeah. being handled virtual you kind of get sick at looking at, you know, the, the bouncing heads, the, you know, the video cam heads um, and so forth. And if you have a couple of those bad experiences, which, you know, we've been at, at a few of those, and I know some of you guys have been in a few of those, um, you know, it's sort of that, that, that trust factor, right? It's like, well, is it really, is this, this one, is this what makes this one apart or this one different than the other. And so we're going to keep trying, I think just as a whole, yeah. not necessarily that we're putting it on, but we're going to, you know, keep trying to find a place because, because we want to be there for, for you guys too, right? Like, like those events are a nice way for us to connect to you, see what's new. You know, I've some of the face-to-face -face interactions I had at the first experience when I, my first year here, um, some of you, you know, that's where we kind of built that initial kind of relationship. And some of you, you know, I, I still talk to because of that. And so it is, it's nice to get that that kind of engagement. So, yep. hopefully, we find uh, you know a positive solution to that during this you know pandemic world that we live in. So, but this is kind of yep. our, our segue. Um, when we when we were talking about this, oh, Michael, sorry. Well, I, there was a couple of more things I wanted to say. Um, Perfect. The uh, one thing, Joe, that you said to me that was really impactful. Um, right after we made the decision to cancel um, was you said you were disappointed in what could have been, but you're not disappointed in what would have been. And I thought that was a really great way of, of summing up kind of our thoughts on, on this event of like, it could yeah, have been great. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I was like, that's it. That's literally it right there. I'm disappointed <laughs> in what could have been. I'm not disappointed in what would have been. So we knew that it, like you said, the writing was on the wall. And so it was, we made the right decision, but truly deep down we are disappointed in what could have been and what it what it could have been if in an ideal world where things would have worked out differently because we did really want to do it and uh yeah so sad but also right decision so yeah i mean you know i i was pretty excited we we had made some major progress um, in several areas like what you're witnessing now. If you're watching us live, there's a chain that goes through um, the start of the symposium to us broadcasting live and saving Justin 30 hours every two weeks of editing time where he can now crank out micro content that comes out of this podcast like we we're hoping for. Yep. That wouldn't have happened if we hadn't attempted the symposium 
So from an accounting point of view internally, that's a net positive on the balance sheet. Um, so, you know, it's like that story about that man, you know, oh, sorry, your son's leg is broken. Ah, eh, we'll see, you know, and then they come t- take boys away to the army, but they don't take him because his leg is broken. And, uh, oh, well, sorry, you're, you know, good for you for not having your son go to the army. Ah, we'll see. And then something else, you know what I mean? There's just this, this series of events that happens that are almost the inverse of what you would expect as far as regret and what you look forward to. You know, we look back at what we've learned and it's pretty powerful stuff. Uh, but yes, still very sad. I think that would have been an amazing event. Uh, some of the things that we had planned are pretty exciting. We, you know, we may throw a few of those chops around, but let's face it. If, if we can throw together a webinar in 30 days for an hour and get 250 people to show up, but yet we put a three day on event with the highest integrity people in the industry and we get 55 people to, to sign up in two months. That, that they're telling us something. They're just not not interested in going to sit in front of their computer for three days and listening to maybe the same people they've listened to already on recordings speak. So anyway. Yeah, so um, Michael, is in my, am I good to move on? Yeah, yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, on the main topic. Just teasing a little bit there. Um, clearly, our <laughs> our uh, Jedi mind meld wasn't working so well there. Um, yeah, but kind of chatting about this, um, we always have our meetings prior. You know, the day or two before the podcast, we kind of outline everything. And when we're sitting there, we're we're uh, when I was writing up the outline, I was like, you know, might be a good time to just kind of talk about why we made that that move and kind of pass it on to you all to kind of think about you know, moments you guys have been in that situation and just kind of talk about honesty in, in integrity and transparency kind of as a business owner. Um, and it's easy, it's easy to spout about those things, not necessarily always easy to practice, but I think it really boils down to at, at its core, if you take like, you know, the, the altruistic kind of purposes of it out, it's sort of that long-term ramifications versus short-term gain, Right. Um, if we would have put on the show in our example, um, you know, at least for the first day, the first couple of days, things would have been okay. Attendance would have been down, but the speakers would have put on a good show. We still would have put on a good show. You know, I feel like Joe and I could get in front of one person and we'd still, you know, do whatever we could possibly do to bring as much value to that person. Right. Um, but there are things that it could harm in, in, in the long term. Maybe the relationships with those speakers, maybe relationships with our vendors. You know, if you're paying money to be at an event, and, you know, there's only, you know, 10 eyeballs on your booth. I mean, does it really feel like, is that vendor going to really want to push that, that kind of uh, partnership or that uh, relationship any further, right? Um, and the same thing goes with you guys as attendees, uh, where we talked about the virtual fatigue. If you've been to multiple of these events and you've paid money or maybe you've been to some free ones and the only thing lost was time because, you know, opportunity cost, right? We talked about that a few episodes ago. Um but whatever you're spending on that, if you felt like you didn't really pull anything out of it, are you really going to look at that in the future? Whether it's, you know, a larger event or like Joe said, maybe a webinar event or something that we put on, um, you know, that can hurt you, that can hurt your brand, right? And and these are all kind of things that are very centered around you as a business rather than just, you know, maybe your moral compass or things like that. That's kind of where I saw this going. And I can go into some examples too, but I feel like Joe's probably got something he wants to throw in here before I move on. So what are kind of your, your thoughts on that, Joe? 
No, I, I think you, you summed it up well. I, um, we don't need to beat a dead horse about the symposium specifically, right? But there, um, there's a lot of benefits from making sure that your ego is not getting in the way, that you're not just pushing something forward because that's what you said you were going to do. And there's a lot in integrity that has to do with saying and doing what you say you're going to do. But if you've got a good history of that, even within yourself, maintaining a position that you got on Friday, no matter what happens on Wednesday, is not a virtue. Because there's stuff that happens on Wednesday that'll make you change your mind. And so, um, or point you in another direction or prove you wrong. Again, this is a bias and critical thinking and introspection being able to then look at that situation and go, Hmm, maybe the best thing here is that we just take the loss. Um, and I think too many people push forward just because they're worried about what other people would think in part because of their integrity in part because of fear in part because of fear of loss or whatever they're going to lose out of it, cash or time or resources, what they've already invested. Um, but, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk says it best. Doing the right thing is always the right thing. And that is the true measure of integrity as far as I'm concerned. And so there might be first principles that are supersede one another if, um, if a certain situation presents itself. So you got to know what order those really go in. And for a business, for us, the order goes in customer first, value first. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that that's something that kind of resonates with a lot of you guys, because obviously any service based industry, you know, has to rely on that on some level. Um, and, you know, I, I put out a couple of examples here, things that I've dealt with personally, things that I've encountered with you all kind of on my, my phone discussions I had with multiple owners when I was in onboarding. Um, I just kind of, I'll, I'll just go through them kind of quickly. If something jumps out at either of you guys, feel free to jump in. Um, but also just you know, I, I challenge you guys that are listening to us, like think of a moment where you've been in this situation and did you handle it right? Or, or, you know, what would you do, I guess, uh, if this situation came up? And I think for a lot of you, um, cause I've be like a lot of people we work with, uh, do have pretty high integrity in their businesses, which is great. Um, Definitely. but, um, here, yeah, I'll just kind of go through uh, a big one that I always, um, or I had multiple conversations about is what do you do if, if you're subcontracting out the work, right? Like, so let's say that you're maybe a carpet cleaner or just like an interior cleaner. Um, and you don't want to deal with some of the, the, the fancier rugs, right? The rugs that might have, um, really specific kind of cleaning needs. They're very delicate, you know, whatever that might be. You subcontract out the work. You might have someone, you know, you have a close relationship with that you even maybe that you partner with, you know, right? Maybe there's like, there's some sort of percentage kickback or whatever as a referral, uh, whatever it might be, right? Um, the onus is still on you. If if you recommend someone and they're in, they go to that, you know, and the rug gets damaged, the rug doesn't get cleaned, you know, that that can come back to you. And because you're the one who made the recommendation doesn't necessarily mean it's your fault, obviously. I mean, mistakes happen, right? Even in a perfect world, mistakes happen. Um, but kind of a challenge of what, what would you guys do or um, kind of to make that right, right? It doesn't necessarily mean you have to replace the rug or anything like that. It's just kind of that idea that you were the connecting point, 
right? And it, it kind of goes into also if your technician or sales rep um, makes a mistake. Again, everyone makes mistakes, right? It's not a perfect world. Humans aren't perfect. Um, but Joe always kind of talks about the, the owner. It's always your fault, right? The upside down pyramid, you have to support everyone above you. Like it all kind of ends up trickling down to you. And so, you know, if you've started working with someone and maybe the, you know, the work was a little bit subpar, you know, are you going to take that hit? Are you going to go out there and make sure that that's right? Right. And not just because you're trying to avoid a bad review, just because you want that to be right for, for, your, for your client. And again, it all ties into that relationship transactional versus long-term, right? You want to make sure that you're building that forward and you're building your brand. Um, but the, the, the big one too is just transparency. Um, like a big example that the Michael kind of um, noted here is, you know, let's say that you get a bad review um, and you would love to have just five-star reviews. Everyone wants to have just five-star reviews, right? But um Sometimes just responding to a bad review and being honest, like, hey, maybe I did have a bad day. You know, I was on the way to the job. Me and my tire blew out. Not making excuses, but sucks. I, I was late. You know, we, we got there late and then maybe we rushed the job because we're trying to get some things done. And um, you handle that, you know, as transparent. But, you know, you're not making excuses. You're explaining what happened and you're going to make it right by that, that client. If that's a two-star review and you respond that way, people who view that will actually oftentimes you know, that's a better response than all five-star reviews. Well, and especially in a sea of five-star and four-star reviews. It, exactly. Yep. You get those two or three two-star reviews and, you know, everybody's going to have an experience or some people are just caring. And if, even if you come back and you're displaying empathy and compassion and you're taking responsibility where you're, where you're part, um, that goes a long way because those people will go hunt out those two star reviews, especially if there's like three of them compared to, you know, 150 four and five star reviews. Which one are you going to e more easily consume? <laughs> you going to tap on the three that are, you know, let me just whip through these three experiences real quick. And each time it's like the owner comes back or the manager comes back and says, I'm so sorry about your experience. I understand where you're coming from. I hear your words. Here is perhaps an understanding of context. And we're apologize for, is there any way we can make this right? Like just that series of steps applied in context to the specific situation will land you clients. <laughs> they'll go look at that and they'll, that'll land you clients like, wow, that's pretty good. They handled that well. And I, and, um, I used to say that when you deal with a difficult and irrational situation online in a public forum that hangs around for people to see later, people will be impressed with your ability to be rational in the face of an irrational situation. And that goes a long way for integrity as well. Yeah. It's also something that I feel like it's a really easy way to deescalate a situation anyways. If someone, I mean, I've worked retail, I've worked restaurant jobs. Um, you guys, obviously, you know, you're customer facing the majority of you. So you're going to have that person who's screaming, yelling, whatever. And if you just, you know, be very stoic and you're just trying to help them and that's all you're really trying to do, like it's almost impossible for them to stay angry or they'll, they'll just remove themselves from the situation um, eventually because it's, 
they're trying to get that reaction out of you for one reason or another. Right. And so, and sometimes they're just having a bad day. It doesn't mean make it right, but um, yeah. So transparency is a big thing that, that we kind of work through here. I mean, you guys who are listening to the show, obviously know some of the things that Joe and I have talked about, you know, very transparent about who, who, you know, we are as a company with Joe and, and Eric and the others have built um, over the 17 years here. Um, and so that's kind of something that I think resonates well, um, especially in, you know, 2020, this, this almighty year of whatever, but you just, you don't see that necessarily as much. And it's a really easy way to set yourself apart without really a ton of effort. Isn't that sad? Yeah. Be a good person and do the right thing. That'll set you apart. <laughs> I mean, th- there's that saying like, what is, you know, what is integrity? And, you know, it's, it's the, what, what would you do if no one's watching? Like, let's say you got some new equipment, a, a new technique, or maybe you're just having a bad day and you're trying to rush through a job. Um, and the job that you do is not up to your standards for whatever reason that might be, right? The ones I just mentioned, maybe something completely different. Um, what would you do? And I, I phrase that mostly as the customer doesn't really realize, you know, the, the customer thinks that the job was done well. It's just not done well to your standards, right? Like, what would you do? Would, would you take the cash and run? Um, I mean, would you try to make it right? Would you be honest to that person right then? Um, kind of, I, I just feel like that's a, it's a question I ask myself just, I mean, not necessarily for that exact scenario, but it's a question I ask myself. And I think that, you know, if you guys ask yourselves that the answer is probably going to tell you, you know, what you're working towards for your business as far as in- integrity goes. So. I, 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 never mind. <laughs> I was sure? going to say, it tells you whether or not you suck or not. <laughs> well, I mean, they're carpet cleaner. That's their whole point, right? They're trying to suck the dirt out. <laughs> but I'm, man, okay. Sorry, guys. I'm kind of cheesy. I'm, dad cheesy jokes are where I live. Yeah, but the pressure washers blow. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> man. <laughs> Send hate mail to. jokes. <laughs> Adam's email, yeah. right? Yeah. We'll yeah, let's yeah, all that. Adam's, Adam's email. email. Yeah. yeah. I didn't say it, but did you have any more examples, Adam? No, those are just kind of the ones I, I wrote down. And there, there's, you know, many, many more. There are many scenarios you can get into where this matters. Um, maybe with some of the vendor partnerships you guys have, um, kind of something that's more similarly mirrored to our employees, situation. even employees. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, listening yeah. to to people that hopefully you've surrounded yourself with that you can trust, and uh, kind of keeping yourself in check a little bit as much as possible and um and not making decisions unilaterally and being transparent in how you come to make those decisions uh so empowering the people that are helping you on your journey so because you're stealing a little bit of their journey at the same time yeah that's actually that's a really good point is that I've definitely seen this on the forums. I've had conversations with people who, as they start to move through Hell's Valley and they start to actually have employees, um, because it is kind of a scary thing, right? Like, how do I really handle this? Uh, I don't want them seeing financials. I want them understanding, like, you don't have to show them everything. You don't have to, you know, open up your bank account and give them access to that. It's mostly just, like you said, making them feel like they're a a true part of that journey is going to make them buy in. So, so yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, our little life lesson combined to a nice little package for you guys. So learn from our pain. <laughs> yeah. 
if you guys want to want to chat about maybe a situation you've been involved with that you feel like you handled well, or maybe that you handled poorly and that you wish you could go back and handle differently, you know, comment on Facebook, comment on YouTube. Like we love hearing stories like that, and you know, it helps kind of drive that engagement. So, yeah, yeah definitely. I've even turned them into blog posts before. You know, like really good examples of of someone handling a negative customer experience. So, send it my way if you got a good one. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. You, if you guys want to be famous. Just Michael will make you famous. Yeah, I'm totally exactly. Joking. Yep. Um, so yeah, with with that said, um, hope that you know is useful to at least one of you guys out there. Kind of like you said, like Joe said, learning from our from our pain. Um, well, notice we we never said we regret doing it or that exactly. we shouldn't have done it. Yep. Because of you know what we learned was incredible. Learning from yep. the failure. You know, I one of our. Um, one of our more popular clips is me talking about fail awesome. So just don't do it all yeah. the time. Just every once in a while. <laughs> it becomes less the- awesome if it's all the time. It does. <laughs> yeah, it loses its mystique, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, we can kind of move forward. We actually have an Andre Joe post that we didn't get around to last show. Um, because we had a full show. We had a full show. Yeah. It's a great discussion. And um just going to move it to this one. So we didn't have you guys. I mean, I'm sure you guys would love to listen to my voice for 90 minutes. Um, but um, so, sure. yeah, this is a, a little bit of a lengthy one. Um, so sit back and relax. Um, I was once asked how many hours a week I worked. He was trying to prove the point that lazy people don't build successful businesses. But I disagree with the context of that question. My answer to him was zero. I work zero hours a week. I'm always exactly where I want and need to be. The thing about being an entrepreneur, we're never not working 24-7, either in the office, with the family, on the farm, just driving around. We're always thinking about our business and how to improve. We are constantly strategizing. While everyone else is playing checkers, we're playing chess. We focus on the long game. While our buddies are out having beer, we're busting ass. If you are celebrating Friday and dreading Monday, your shit is broken. The only way to build a thriving and hugely successful business is massive amounts of thought and action. The only way to do that effectively is to have a passion for what you do. I like to say, use your passion to help others and the money will come. At that point, you're never working. So what kind of, what what was your thought process? What kind of led into this, Joe? Obviously, it kind of speaks for itself on some levels, but. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of little singers in there. Right. (laughs) Um, I was at, man, this was, man, I want to say like 2012 in that time frame, 2013, I was at, um, UMACC board meeting and uh, I can't remember who it was. One of the old timers was talking to one of the other old timers about how kids don't want to work <laughs> and how they expect everything. And he was actually not talking about employees. He was talking about new business owners, right? So here's somebody who's been a business owner for a very long time, should have had the introspection and knowledge to know that the world doesn't exist past the end of his nose. And yet he was arguing the fact that people don't want to work, they're being lazy, and that it takes an immense amount of sacrifice and effort to build success. And without getting in too much trouble, of course, that assumes we live in a even playing field and a true meritocracy, which I believe we have been for a long time. And, and I don't believe that anymore. Um, and so, 
your amount of effort that you need to apply to something might not be the same as everybody's, but that notwithstanding, um, busting ass, hustling, it's not, um, it's not just effort that makes something happen. You have to apply the effort in the right place. You can be the best carpet cleaner in the world, but if you suck at marketing, your business is not going to grow. And so a lot of people grind that out and they look at the extra stuff that you have to do is the price that you have to pay, right? The ante. Um, and there's a lot of truth to that as well. There is an immense amount of work that needs to be done to make it happen. I believe, though, that a measure of success has to do with one's happiness of their current situation uh, and, and then your goals to get there if you're not there already. And that was my point. My point was that, you know what, people look at what we do as work and grind. But from my point of view, I'm doing the things I love to do anyway. Like, I love to code. I love to have meetings with the team and build a strong team. I love to have my mind changed. Like each and every aspect of the things that I enjoy doing, I love doing. Is it fair to call it work compared to somebody who's got to go slave out and do corn detasseling at, you know, four o'clock in the morning or, um, you know, go pick up the city trash in New York. So to call it work, I think is maybe unfair to those who actually do drudgery because I've done drudgery and this ain't it brother, no matter how many hours you put in a week. And if you're not putting in the extra time to think about your business, do you, do you even have a business you're passionate about? Because if not, then maybe, maybe you should look and get a job. Maybe that's what you're doing is you're just building yourself a job. Why don't you go get a job? Um, and so, you know, there's a lot to unpack there and that's just kind of one angle of it, but that's where I come from. Like, I don't, I don't think it's fair for me to call it work because what I do is just what I, whatever I want to do uh, to push the ball forward. That's what my integrity and ambition tell me. So. Well, I think there's so many different levels of work too. Like it's just, you know, I mean, if we you go back even before some of the labor laws existed, you know, 80 hour work weeks were not an uncommon thing. You know, 40 hour work week was, something that came from those laws, um, whether you fully believe in them or not. Um, but like Joe's saying, a, an entrepreneur is vastly different than just being someone who's helping or is part of the team uh, is coming in like, you know, myself or, or Michael or whatever. Um, Joe always talks about getting that buy-in, right? And I think it's obvious if you guys listen to us that Michael and I have bought in, right? We we thoroughly enjoy the work that we, that we do. We, we love the people that we work with. And we do a lot of interesting things to try and make your guys' lives better. Um, and that's a really kind of fun and engaging thing to wake up to um, compared to previous jobs that I've had. But an entrepreneur you know, and honestly, I, I get myself in trouble because, you know, as product manager, if I see an interesting piece of software, it's that like your mind kind of goes down. I'm like, oh, that's cool. What do we do here? And then, you know, an hour later, you just kind of got some notes for to work on Monday, right? Joe's doing that pretty much 24-7, um, probably especially when he was even younger. Um, not not that you're old, Joe. Uh, oh, no, I'm him. old. I'm a grandfather. <laughs> I think 45. Like, when's my AARP stuff showing up? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> 
um but uh yeah like it's it's always it always has to be on your mind especially before you get employees and things like that where it's all on your shoulders um and if you're only doing it because you want to be your own boss you don't want to necessarily take orders whatever but you don't really you're not really passionate about what you're doing you're not really passionate about the things you're doing the people you're working with or so on it's going to probably drain your soul because you have to be working on it all the time it depends on your level of success though right sales solves all that is true which is why like i say like a plumbing electrical or hvac business where their average invoices are 7500 bucks it sure is a lot easier to fail as a single owner, well, fail and only be a single owner operator. I put that in air quotes too, right? It's a lot easier to intentionally remain a single owner operator and not worry about it than in the cleaning industry where your average invoice is 250, where, you know, you've got to hustle every day to put food on the table and growing and putting people um, to work with you is an exceedingly difficult task given the amount of horsepower you have and financial resources. So, um, it's tough. It's really tough. You want to make a go of it in carpet cleaning. <laughs> you better love some multiple aspects of that business. Yeah, that's a very good point. Like, sales solve all. That is, <laughs> that's very true. Um, you know, an interesting little thing, uh, because I'm going to pass this along to anyone, but uh, talking about plumbers and electricians, trade schools are something that you know, if you have someone who maybe is younger looking for advice on things to work towards, there is going to be a massive shortage um, over the U.S. Um, I'm blanking on his name. It's the guy who does a dirt, a dirty jobs. Is it Rowe? Mike yeah, Rowe? Mike Rowe. He's been pushing for that for, what, 25 years now? Um, I've been wanting to abandon the cultural obsession with degrees for a decade, <laughs> two decades. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's actually something, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because I'll talk about this forever. But I think there is something that's very, um, it's very real. It's very kind of um, the work that you guys do, the work that plumbers, electricians, um, all of the trades, all of the services. Like it is meaningful work. Like I, I say that you know, with you know, full just gusto. Like this meaningful work that you guys do. And I think that sometimes we overlook that as a society because we were told for, you know, 50 years, that wasn't the right way to go. So. Oh yeah. I mean, you hear the conversations, right? Uh, Karen telling little Johnny, see that dude over there washing that window. Yeah. Go to school. Don't be like him. And the dude looks over his shoulder, you know, runs a $2 million business, happens to enjoy cleaning windows. And one employee was out sick that day. So he decided to go old school it and pick up some work. And he just yep. chuckles. And he's like, Johnny, don't listen to that lady. You do what you want to do and go kill it. Exactly. <laughs> also, uh, if any of you window cleaners want to give me advice on how to squeegee windows without getting that streak mark, I don't get it. I feel like you guys are magicians. Michael, don't we have some great videos on uh, Instagram that'll show Adam how oh, to do yeah. that? Oh, yeah. We got, we got <laughs> right. plenty. There's some good slow mos in there for you. All right, buddy. We'll you can send that. I'll That's send them right. to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, hope that was kind of helpful uh, we can move on to to smug because i mean i can take that conversation down a lot of paths i'm sure joe could too so oh, yeah we need to rethink education period yep um smug we had some great smug posts um smug's been actually pretty active the last uh couple of weeks and 
I'll just kind of go through. We had we had a bunch of collaborative posts, which we always we'll, we'll pretty much always highlight here, unless you guys maybe bombard us with fifteen of them. We can't fit them all in. <laughs> um, but uh, Chris was asking if anyone has linked up with Nice Job. Um, if so, can you give us some feedback? We're looking into the service and curious on the results. If you guys don't know, Nice Job is one of our integration partners. They handle reviews. They can also build yourself a a website, you know, for that lead capture and things like that. Um, and there were multiple users, Robin, Chuck, Tiffany, thank you all for kind of hopping in there and chatting about, hey, you know, this is what we did. Um, you know, this is what worked. Maybe this is what didn't. Um, we, we like the service and so forth. And it wasn't just, you know, yes or a thumbs up. You know, it was real feedback. Um, and, and Chris and Lee, who are both awesome. If you guys are listening, you know, definitely, definitely have some great memories chatting with you guys when you were getting started. Um but yeah, we just kind of always love to see that. So kind of continue that. And we'll, we'll always give shout outs to those who help. Next one is from Paul, another collaborative post. He was asking for something specific. He He's wanting to kind of set up um, a screening form to get review and signature to make sure people, you know, have the, the clients haven't been sick or someone in the house hasn't been sick with COVID. So um, he was asking him kind of ways to do that. Currently, he has a Word document. Um, he has them sign. He's t- asking about e- using an email template. Uh, is there another service I could use and so forth? And there were a lot of replies here um, as well. Mary was someone who jumped in, um, blanking on the other person because it's not in the screenshot here, unfortunately. But a couple of users hopped in and just kind of you know mentioned again, you know, hey, you can use this service, which is what I use. Um, you can you know have a custom form built uh, by Brenda over here on our team. You can just have that attached um, to. Uh, orders you want to send that to, and you can collect the signature, um, you know, things like that. You can have that be part of the the order approval process. If you use the order approval tool, right, you can say, hey, this is the this is the email template. I, I need you to actually approve this um, to let me know that, uh, you know, everyone is, is, is free and clear, just kind of protecting him and his, his family. So again, another great collaborative post. And it's kind of one of those things where if you guys have questions like this and no one in your team necessarily has a good answer, maybe, maybe Google's failing you, like smug might not be the worst place to, to ask, right? Or one of the other forums on, on Facebook, you know, just ask your fellow business owners. And the worst thing that, that you get is silence or a bad answer, but you should be able to, be able to filter that through. So I think the bad answer is far less likely in smug than in any of the other forums um, because they know how serious we are just in general. And so if you notice, Smug is not one of the places where bullshit's being thrown um, because I think everybody can take the temperature of the room there. So I think you're far more likely to get someone who actually put some thought into it before they ink it um, because I'll call that shit out. <laughs> like what? And I would expect others um, in that group to call out, you know, advice that's maybe not so sound. So and and to be honest, I don't think I've ever really seen it. Like different business practices, sure. Coming to different conclusions because of different experiences, sure. But just all in all, right, like bad advice or things that are kind of like make me go, huh? I just I just don't see it smug. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. I've been here what, two and a half years now, something like that. I haven't seen any I haven't seen a single post that just made me just be like, Really? That's that's the advice. I've had to delete I want to say maybe three or four posts total and ban, I think one person. Yeah. So yeah, a well-behaved group. Absolutely. We really do appreciate all of you guys. Certainly. 
Um, the next one, we got Scott. Any tips on how to get the iPhone app to open when you click on it and it tries to open and immediately shuts down? Uh, the reason I wanted to bring this to light is this is something that we've been working on the mobile team for probably a couple months now um, in total. It, it's very intermittent. It's only affecting you know certain users, but the ones that it does affect, it's very frustrating. Um, and we've been trying to find. Yeah, I think that number is like under ten or something too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it, yes, when it's that when it happens, it's like uh. But the vast majority of the time, it's fixed by an uninstall and reinstall. Yep, and we're we're narrowing down what we think the issue might be. Um, so uh, we'll kind of keep we'll, we'll kind of keep you guys posted the ones that are being affected. Make sure we reach out to you. Um, but I also wanted to just kind of reiterate that if this is happening to you, if, if you're someone out there that this is happening, you don't have to, you don't have to struggle quietly, you know, don't throw your phone phones. These phones are expensive. I mean, I just had to buy a new one. So I know, um, you know, if it is happening to you, it's not intended behavior, right? So if you, if you feel more comfortable posting in smug, then you can post in smug. Um, if you feel really comfortable and you want to ping Joe, that's, ping Joe and he'll hit us, but that's probably not the best way. The best way really is to open up support and just immediately send something really quick. And they'll ask for maybe some details about your phone, right? The operating system. Um, and we can, it helps us narrow down the issue for one. Um, but also we don't want any of you guys suffering, especially in silence. Like we want to solve issues for you guys. And the only way that we can sometimes do that is if it's something that's crashing, it doesn't show up in our logs then, you know, it's much harder to find the issue, right? So not making excuses or anything like that. We just want you to know that, you know, don't suffer in silence. Yeah, please let us know. Because I can say, you know, 10 people, and then there'll be 15 people listening to this going, bullshit. Like, okay, that may be true. Then let us know so we can understand the nature of the issue. We think we have a bead on it. Um, and that will be coming in the next release. But we'll uh, we'll keep you posted. But like Adam alluded to, uh, this particular issue is happening before any of our tools are loading. So our diagnostics on this is completely blind. We have a conjecture based off something else we found that will be in the next release. Um, Again, very, very small occurrence. And usually I have yet to, I think it only hasn't been solved twice by an uninstall and reinstall. Is that correct, Adam? Uh, Either two or three times. Yeah. Okay. So the vast majority of the time, though, is an uninstall and reinstall, and you're good to go. The next smug post was from Josh. And I, I wanted to highlight this one, um, A, because I, I love love communicating with you guys. I love getting feedback. Um, Joe will tell you, like, I'll sit down. I'll literally, if I could, I'd just fly out. We could just chat for four hours about, like, what, you, what your expectations are and such. But... Um, He's talking about when you move a job um, and there's a status that we have. Uh, if you guys aren't aware, there's some basic statuses. The, the default is, you know, scheduled once it's on the schedule. And then you can confirm it. So your office staff might maybe has a confirmation process. You can say it's confirmed. Um, when your text on the job, it'll show on the job. When it's complete, it'll show complete. And just kind of going through those statuses, right? Well, the way that we have the schedule set up is if you if you move the appointment, it resets the uh, the status with the kind of assumption being that if you move the appointment, then it is it necessarily confirmed, or do they really need or do they need to go confirm that? And 
what I kind of explained was that Joe and I have this conversation a lot where sometimes we get too cute for lack of a better term. We almost get too kind of clever, clever um, on how we want to solve things. And now the behavior works two different ways. And so it's always kind of like, which is the actual better um, kind of process? Is it something that might not or might have extra work occasionally, but is more easily understood by users unanimously or something that might confuse users as to why the behavior is that way, but might save a click here or there. And so it's always kind of that constant battle. Um, and it's definitely something that, the, that we're going to look at, which is the, uh, the other main reason I wanted to, sh- to share with Josh is if we're wrong on that, you know, with what we think is the default, the, getting feedback like this and kind of having that open channel communication and, and such with us is one of the better ways to get that changed potentially. So we love seeing that. Um, you guys are also really good at not really demanding things, um, which we're always really appreciative. It's, it's always coming from a place of, we want this, this app to be better. This is why I think it should be this way. Here's my reasoning. And it's like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Can we get anyone else on board? So the last one, um, comes from Colby. And this is another um, weird uh, scenario on the mobile app. Um, seems to be contained on the iOS side uh, when we think we know why. But uh, some users were having issues attaching photos um, or that it was taking a long time to process those photos. And usually the, the solution for them was to just take the photos on their phone and upload it later. Maybe they're having some bad some bad. Uh, service where they were, you know, the Wi-Fi they were using was was poor or whatnot. Um, but then kind of with the feedback, we had a bunch of people jump in on this. And this is really, really useful, by the way, guys. If you come across a post and have the minutes, just be like, yeah, this is happening to me too. Uh, if you can go into more depth, that's great. But even just letting us know that sometimes is beneficial. Um, but we're going to go through this for the next release. We're going to see what's going on. And it seems to be an iOS issue, which would likely be because of how it's I always forget the file name, but it's very, it's a um, HEIC file, I think. Oh, the it's, special image file. Yeah, it's, it's just a special thing that Apple stores. Um, it's a highly compressed image and we convert it to, to a PNG. And so likely that process, something is getting broken down. Um, but anyways, that's not really the important part of this. What I'm trying to, to convey is that the great discussion came about this. Um, you guys gave me a lot of good in- intel about the operating system, exactly what the process was and so forth. And so all of that's very beneficial. Um, Cause like I said, we want the app to be as smooth and as great as possible for you guys. And so if something is happening once again, um, don't suffer in silence. You know, if something pops up, you know, make sure you comment on it. Um, if it's happening to you, make sure you let support know, let smug know, whatever it might be. So, so yeah, they had a lot of great kind of posts like that. We're both, collaborative and just great feedback posts this week. So we wanted to highlight all of them um, because like I said, it's one of the best things that comes out of Smug. It's a great, um, the reason Joe created it was to have that communication pipeline with you guys. So he wasn't, you know, removed and it's great for us too. It gives us an open communication path for that. So keep it up guys. Thank you. We love and appreciate y'all. That's all I got for you, Joe. Awesome. Michael. No, nope, I'm good. Very good. Well, thank you so much for your attention. And uh, hopefully you've pulled a little value out of this episode today. And until next time, be safe.